welcome to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. Um, so I'm curious how everybody Lover's Day was. I'm trying to figure out what did everybody do. Um, so for me, this week was crazy because um, I actually just really wasn't feeling good this whole entire week. And so it's just been one of those weeks. Um, and so uh, I was excited for the weekend with All-Star Weekend and... Um, I stayed up and watched um, the slam dunk and the three-point shootout and all that. So that was pretty cool. Um, but other than that, I really haven't really been, been, up, been up to much of anything, really. So um, I'm really excited about today's topic and today's show. So let's just jump into Motivational Monday. Um, I found this quote from um, the Daily Buddha. So I'm going to read this. Get started. Start small. Start tiny even, reduce the daily distractions, avoid negative people or themes, read, listen, watch motivational blogs, podcasts, quotes, or movies, play energetic, happy music, be kind to yourself, start again, learn from setbacks and move on, take breaks. So let's just move into Black History Spotlight. All right, so my Black History Spotlight for today is going to be Solomon Carter Fuller, MD. Dr. Solomon Carter Fuller was a pioneering African-American psychiatrist who made significant contributions to the study of Alzheimer's disease. He was born in Liberia, the son of a previously enslaved African who had purchased his freedom and immigrated there. He graduated from Boston University School of Medicine, which as a homeopathic institution was open to to both African-American and women students. He spent the majority of his career practicing at Westboro State Mental Hospital in Westboro, Massachusetts. While there, he performed his groundbreaking research on the physical changes to the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Dr. Fuller was one of the first known black psychiatrists and worked alongside Dr. Alois Alzheimer, who first discovered the traits of Alzheimer's disease in 1901. So I actually did not know this. So this was um, a first timer for me too. So I, I thought that would be something really cool to share for my black history this week. So let's just jump into some cultural news, some hot topics. Um, actually, when I saw this, I thought this was really cool um, and something that was worth sharing. LeBron James, I Promise School in Akron, Ohio, inaugural class of high school juniors. I think it was about 193 students in total. They were visiting Kent State this week where they all learned that um, they'll begin free tuition for four years and a year of free room and board um, for all the eligible students if they if they wanted to go to Kent State. Um, just someone that has, uh, I probably owe a million dollars in student loans at this point. Um, just knowing what it feels like to come out of school and be pretty much debt free is phenomenal. So for those students that, you know, might get the opportunity to come to take this opportunity, I think this is really cool. And it's something to say about LeBron James. Like when he when he left um Ohio, he really made it a point that he wanted to give back to his community. And he's really showing, you know, through the school, um, how much he's really given back. I mean, I talked about this um earlier in some earlier episodes about um, him also building a, you know, community, like for people to live in and things like that for some of the students that go to the, um, that go to the, um, the school. And so I just thought this was really cool. And I think when people are doing amazing shit, you need to, um, you know, make sure we highlight that as much as possible. So on to some, I guess, some messier news here. So this week they announced that Jesse Smollett faces 
six felony counts with disorderly conduct, um, you know, stemming from the four separate false reports that he gave to the police. Now, I mean, I wonder, do you, do y'all think that it's really worth them going through the trouble of, you know, bringing all this stuff back up? I mean, I do understand that, um, he lied and he, um, had all these false narratives and things like that, which, um, I still find the whole thing really fucking weird. Um, I think that we live in a world where people want to be idolized though, and they want to be bigger than what I think they are. And I think he did it for attention. Um, it also on the flip side, just playing devil's advocate. I've had people say that maybe he done it to, you know, when he lied to bring awareness to, um, gay rights and, you know, things that go, uh, like some of the things that happen negatively towards black people. But I just feel like, um, I don't really think necessarily this was the right way to go about it. Um, I kind of feel like that. Um, well, let me go back just in case you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I think it was last year, maybe earlier in last year. I'm not sure when it happened last year, but Jesse Smollett, he, um, said that he was, he came into a hotel that he was staying in after being quote unquote attacked outside. Um, he came in with a noose around his neck and said that he was beat up and, and, um, people made, uh, racial and, um, homophobic slurs towards him. Um, and then come to find out later that he actually paid the two individuals to beat him up and kind of staged the whole thing. And so it actually was not true. Um, I kind of feel like when I, when I have conversations about this or when I had in the past, I kind of feel like, um, I guess because of the manpower that was used to investigate this and all of that, I think they want to just try to make an example out of him. Um, I think the whole situation is just really, it was really weird. It's just been really weird. So I don't know. He's facing six counts, six, six felony counts. Um, so we'll just see what happens with that. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, he lied and the shit was wrong and the shit was tragic and, they waste a lot of time with the case, but I just think it's way other, more important shit going on in the world than going through the trouble of all of this. That's what I think. I don't really think it's worth bringing new charges against him because we all know he fucking lied. So, I mean, you're just to me, it just seemed like you really, really, really trying to really send this dude to jail or whatever you're going to do in regards to it. And I feel like for me, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know if he would get jail for this. I'm, I'm, I would assume because it's, it's, it's six felony counts. But I think sometimes making him give a donation, um, you know, towards uh, like, the, um, you know, some kind of, I don't know, giving a donation towards something or, you know, making him do community service, you know, uh, where he works with organizations that, that fight against, um, uh, you know, um, racial attacks or something like that. Like, I mean, something that just kind of, I feel like, would make him feel some kind of conviction. Cause when you lie about shit like that, when it's actually people that are actually affected by it. Um, I think when somebody, when you force them to kind of see the problem head on, I, I, I think that he should do, they should do something in that route. Like maybe his punishment should have been something in that route instead of this, you know, super extreme other route. I don't know. I'm gonna keep you posted though, in regards to this. And, and we're going to just see how this thing pan out. Cause I don't really know. So the next thing was, um, Wendy Williams this week, which was, this whole thing was kind of bizarre. I'm not a super huge Wendy Williams fan anyway. Um, but sometimes I do watch her for some giggles, but I don't know. 
This week, she made statements saying, uh, well, to the LGBTQ um, plus community, she instructed the gay men to stop wearing our skirts. This is her, what she's saying, stop wearing our skirts and our heels. And she then, she basically went on this rant about like, before she went into just telling them like to not wear heels and skirts, like she went in this rant saying like, she's tired of men basically acting like, like they are women when they're not and they don't go through like, you know, uh, periods or have children and all the things that women actually have to go through. Like they don't actually experience that. And she just feels like enough is enough. I just, I just didn't, I didn't get what, you know, when I, when I saw this, I was like, why was this even necessary? And then I was just surprised because Wendy Williams has such a huge, um, gay fan base. So it was just like, it was, um, I think everybody has a right to their opinion, but it's almost like, you know, why, why does it matter? Like, I don't really, I just feel like if a man is androgynous, um, kind of like Billy Porter or, you know, whoever, and they want to, they want to dress up and they want to do whatever, if that's what they want to do, who cares? I don't get why people get so affected by other people. Like I've never been a person to care enough about what somebody else is doing. I don't give a fuck. So, you know, as long as you're not, you know, as long as it's not something where it's like literally affecting me, I don't give a fuck what you do. You know what I'm saying? At your house or whatever you got going on or whatever. Um, or how you want to dress, how you want to live, who you want to love. I don't care. You know, I think everybody got a right to be happy. And if doing whatever make you happy, then fucking do it. Who cares? And I think we, you know, we judge too much about what people are doing. I don't really think it should really fucking matter personally. But so I thought it was really weird that Wendy Williams did this. She did come back out later and she issued an apology. I didn't even watch the apology because I just didn't even feel like it. Because I don't even get why she even said it to begin with. Because she has like actually a lot of gay friends too. So it just didn't really make sense. I wasn't even sure where she was going with this. But I did I did watch her when she said it. So I wasn't really sure where she was going with this. But that's also coming from coming off from her like talking about um last week. She was talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce. And I thought that was kind of bizarre because... Uh, she was upset that they didn't stand for the national anthem at the Super Bowl, but they were like inside of, um, you know, a room with other people and other people didn't stand either. And, um, I don't, and you know, Jay-Z literally was just like, well, I didn't, that they didn't stand because they didn't even know what was, what was fully going on on the field or whatever. And whether that's true or not, who cares? But Winnie Williams all like, you know, how if you don't, if you don't like America and you don't care, you just need to get the fuck out of the country. I just think making comments like that, it's just kind of like, okay, girl, like as much shit that she done went through over the past, like what year and a half, basically we've been seeing Wendy going through all this shit with her husband and stuff. I just think she kind of could like chill the fuck out a little bit. You can still be messy. It's the difference between being messy and just being just straight up tragic. And I think like when she made comments like that, I think that's when she just been fucking tragic. You can be, you can still be messy and still have some class about you. That's what I think. But she did issue apology for her rants about gay people. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. Do y'all believe her or do you even expect much from Wendy Williams at this point? Um, so I'm trying to think, am I missing anything for hot topics? Um, I think that's all I had today for hot topics. So let's just move on to my thought of the week. So this is what's funny. I had somebody ask me, um, how do I come up with what I'm going to talk about every single week? And what's funny is literally these really do be my thoughts of the week of like, either I've had intense conversations about these subjects or yeah, usually I have conversations about them and those conversations end up being, 
um, like those conversation topics end up being what um, my thought of the week is going to be for the week. So this week, I actually wanted to touch on um, childhood trauma. Um, You can also call it adverse childhood experiences. So when I sit and talk to people and I actually talk a lot, (laughs) no, but really, but I I talk a lot about um, people in their relationships. I'm usually the friend that people call just to talk, you know, about what they have going on. And when I hear about, you know, adults that struggle with certain things, and it's usually key indicators for me that I listen out, that I listen out for that. I usually try to dive deeper about people past to try to figure out why it is that you're having the issues that you're having. Um, because I always believe that everybody has a story, no matter what, it don't matter how you grew like where you grew up, how you grew up, whatever, you got some kind of story behind whatever. And so, you know, this week I felt, you know, a few of my friends hit me up and they're just talking to me about like, you know, various things. I actually had two friends talking to me about the same exact thing, just with, you know, obviously their respective partners. And, um, and so usually when I, when I see people have emotional issues or have some kind of, um, you know, inabilities, um, to do, like, I feel like when you're in a relationship, right. And, um, when you have issues as far as like, as long as like, like you actually are with this person, you love this person and you have issues with showing love or you have issues with intimacy or you have issues in, in, in those realms. And there's nothing wrong with like your relationship. There's just something wrong. Like this person is having some kind of issue. I always ask the question of, you know, what was their, what was their childhood like? Um, because I feel like love and showing and being able to show love, that's just basic shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just that usually just comes with you as a person. And if you have somebody that has inabilities to be able to show love in some kind of way, I always ask the question of, have they experienced some kind of childhood trauma? Like, is there something that happened to them? Whether it could be anything. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about it today because uh, childhood trauma can be, um, I'm not going to just focus down on one because this is such a, I'm actually going to talk about this again on another episode. I'm going to bring somebody in because it's such a, it's such a, a broad thing. Um, and so today I'm kind of going to touch more on like environment, but, um, let me just pull this up here. But when you go over, when you sit and think about childhood trauma, um, you can be a lot of things. Um, you, you know, usually it's kind of like focusing on uh, psychological trauma. So it could be neglect. It could be abandonment. It could be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be growing up with a parent that, you know, have a mental illness. It could be, um, you know, seeing your, your parent being treated violently. Some kids, you know, um, go through, you know, um, uh, even other forms of abandonment could be um, not being raised by your parents. It could be your parents getting divorced. And having the impact of now, you know, one parent leaving the home and then that whole scenario. So it's it's a lot of different traumas. And that's why I'm going to have to probably do another episode too, to just kind of go in more in depth with certain ones. Um, I know for me, um, you know, I definitely experienced childhood trauma um, to high levels. Um, and so my question that I had today was, do you think that your childhood affects you in your adult, in your adult life? 
Because when I have this conversation about, um, if there's people that, if they're, when I talk to people and they're struggling with things as adults, um, I always, you know, like I stated, go back to your childhood. And, you know, when it came to myself, you know, in present day, I'm 35 and I started to fully unpack my shit probably around 30. Um, I think I started to be honest with myself in regards to that. I knew it was shit that I needed to work on. And I knew that what, like what I was, what I was doing was just kind of fucked up in general, like the way I was living and just that kind of like, did I, did I want to be this person that, you know, I kind of gave off into the world. And I think my mind started adjusting to that around 23. So, um, so for me, it's been a journey, you know, as far as like, just, um, you know, healing myself and having to, having the know-how to know that like, I need to heal, you know, and I need to work on myself and do work. And for me, um, what made it important for me later in life, you know, present day was that around 30, maybe around 28, 27, 28, I really started having a strong urge to where, I felt like I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a kid, um, a biological kid. And so, um, and so I felt like for me, I wanted to, I wanted to address some of the things that happened to me in childhood. And I wanted to address some of the things that I felt in regards to my parents, um, and how, you know, I felt lack of support from them. And I wanted to make sure that I was pretty much healed, um, before, I brought a kid in this world because even though like, you know, we all make statements saying like, I, I do at least saying like, I would never do this or I would never do that. And I know how it feels to, you know, have parents like this or have this. And so I know, you know, for me being a parent, I'll be different and you can say those things, but how do you know that you'll be different, you know? And so for me, it was important for me to start therapy and kind of start my journey. And that was, this is one of the reasons why I started therapy. Um, was because I didn't want to continue a cycle, a, a basically a generational trauma cycle in a sense, because kind of like how this kind of like in my, in my own personal story, um, what I experienced. Um, so I'm going to just kind of try to give a, a, a break this down just a little bit and then go back into some references about childhood trauma. So, um, my mom, just to tell her story and not tell her story. Um, my mom grew up and she grew up in a, in an abusive, volatile, um, environment. And then, you know, she had children early. Um, we're all pretty much stair step, stair step. So from the time she was 13, all the way until she was 24, she was having children. She had me at 21. She had my little sister, the last one at 24. So she never really had a childhood 13. You still a kid. And that was when she had her first kid. And then after that, because she had a, you know, she grew up in an abusive household. I think she went outside the house trying to find love. Um, but what was love going to look like for her? Because all she ever saw was abuse. So then after that, you know, it was just abusive relationships after that. And that's all. I, so when I grew up, was growing up, that's all I saw, you know, inside, inside of our house was, you know, abusive, uh, abusive relationship. And so, you know, it was a lot of things that transpired you know, when I was young, and to be honest with you, is a lot of things that I don't fully even remember, 
um, a lot of my childhood, I don't, I don't remember his pockets that, um, so I guess it's like, you know, recluse memory. They say like, you know, it can, you, you kind of black out and you box it out where you don't really remember. And maybe one day, um, it might come back too. I remember one time I was talking to this therapist and she was telling me that she was seeing this guy and, um, he, he had had, um, he had been abused when he was a kid, I think at like three, but he had three or four, but he had forgotten or, you know, blocked it out. And that he started having dreams in his thirties about him being touched as a kid. And then that's what made him start going to therapy because he started having these dreams and he was trying to process the dream. And then I think he ended up asking his mom about it. And then his mom told him that, you know, yeah, like that, or, or maybe that's how they, maybe they asked somebody else and then they put two and two together that I think that he was like abused as a kid. And I, I don't, I don't think the mom actually knew, um, but I think it happened to one of his other siblings too. And that's how they kind of had, um, put together what had happened. And this was all from him having dreams, um, about being touched as a kid. And I think it was just maybe his mind unlocking itself. And that's how trauma can kind of, you know, can kind of be. And so it's kind of like that for me even now. Like, I can't tell you certain years or memories of things, you know, from when I was a kid or whatever. Um, so I was supposed to go to therapy, I think, when I was 12. I think I went to therapy one time and and then my mom just, it wasn't important. And we never, we never went back. Um and, um, you know, and my thing is this, I think, and it's not, it's not a judgment to my parents, right? Because, and I, and I think I said this in early episodes, if now when I talk, when I talk to people about, you know what I'm saying, trauma and stuff like that, and I'm like, ah, like, why are they getting their kid help? Why are they doing these things? And yeah, to me, logically, this is, would be a logical thing. You know, I think when it comes to trauma, um, I was asking one of my friends this morning, I told her what I was talking about the day and I was like, you know, cause I mean, I read about what you do in regards to trauma, but I was like wondering how do you make a kid fully feel safe? Like when they had all this shit going on. And so for me, like, I think that the first steps towards healing when you've had trauma, um, and really preparing your kid to heal is all about how you are as a parent, you know? Um, I believe that you should have a, a open space, make your child feel safe in that space to where they can share if they're, if they're willing to share or let them know that they're always willing to share, um, that you're, you're, you're there if they're willing to share, even in therapy. I think, you know, when I went to therapy, I literally sat the whole entire time and I didn't talk. Right. So for me as a kid, like it probably would have taken me a lot more time, um, to loosen up and communicate what I had going on, but you know, I didn't get the time to do that. And I didn't really feel like, um, I had a safe space at home either. So really I had nobody really to talk to in regards to anything, you know, and then you didn't talk to anybody outside of your home either. So I didn't, I didn't have anybody to talk to really about anything that I felt growing up, um, or any struggles that I felt like I, that I had. Um, so I think if you create, a safe space and environment, make them feel, make them feel safe. Uh, nothing that I, I feel like nothing the kid can share to you is stupid. So, you know, you never want to make them feel that way. 
and also I think also getting them the professional help, being patient with the with the treatment plan. Um, sometimes when you see childhood trauma or any kind of situation, sometimes you know therapy can be uh, court court mandated. But even if it's not court mandated, and say it's like say it's not say it's like from divorce you have an issue with divorce something like that where you where you feel like your kid is struggling emotionally or something like that i mean that's still a time that you can put them in therapy and give them opportunity to sit and have somebody to talk to in regards to what they're feeling and try to understand what they're feeling and i think as a parent you should just make sure that you put your child first um at at times there's there's depending on the level of trauma and that's why like I want to I'm going to probably have another episode because there's so this is so many levels to what stage and trauma they're in or what kind of trauma that they have you know to where you know obviously sometimes they they administer medication um you might have to do some cognitive behavior treatments um it's different treatments that you can do but I think the first thing um for me I believe is making sure that the person feels safe. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't, I didn't, I never felt that way, you know, and I didn't feel that way. Um, I definitely didn't feel that way, you know, with my mom. And then, so as I got older, like when I was in high school, my mom worked, you know, she was a working mom where she, you know, she will leave and, you know, we might see her that night. We might not, we might not see her until we're going to school in the morning. And then she come by or we might not see her again till the weekend. So a lot of times, like, you know, instead of having a parent, you know, we kind of spent majority of our time pretty much parenting ourselves. And it made it very difficult just in the developmental standpoint, because um, I more so I think my motivation to be somebody or just in general, like, you know, get out the house was my key to get out of the house was college. And, um, I knew I didn't want to be in the environment anymore. And I literally told my mom one day that like, you know, when I leave here, like I'm never coming back here no matter what. And thank God that like, I mean, I thank God that I had God there, you know, with me first. And then just somebody watching over me had, honestly, I I feel like it had to been God because I mean, I left my house when I was 17. Um, I got a scholarship to college, which, which was a blessing and then, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of shit out there in the world, I was winging it. But um, when it came to, you know, the the trauma that I experienced, though, I didn't really, really realize it until later. Well, I, all my relationships were fucked up. And they were fucked up from the standpoint of just, um, you know, from my, well, it was, it was levels to it. Um, I think with my first one, um, once that one kind of ended, I think that's when I pretty much just started shifting. But even though looking back on it, one, I was young, but two, I had an inability to express love, show love. Um, and I did kind of, but not really. Like I was kind of immature in that standpoint. And, um, so that was where a lot of my struggles were, um, and where they, and like, I can kind of pinpoint where some things came from. And then, so I know, I mean, I talk about this all the time, how I had a, I I can say maybe a crazy period, but I think that came from just being hurt and just being damaged. And I think, um, I had a low, um, I had low, low self-esteem and self-worth. 
And it took me a long time to really understand that and build that. And so, you know, because of, you know, I had a low envisionment of myself, um, you know, I was promiscuous and I wasn't promiscuous where it's like, you know, I'm having sex with the entire world, but like, I kind of like had irresponsible sex where, um, I didn't care about other people's feelings, you know, even though in my mind, I felt like, you know, oh, well, uh, I'm honest because I was honest. So I'll sit and say, um, you know, I just want to have sex with you and that's it. And even though that person might say, oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, they agreed and they, and they're both saying, you're saying, and they're saying it's cool. But the reality is we all know, you know, as adults that when you start having, um, any kind of sexual relationship with somebody, somebody's going to catch feelings. Somebody's going to get hurt. Um, and it usually was me delivering that because in my mind, I'm like, well, I told them that I don't want this. So, um, if they want to have sex with me, that's what they're doing. And that's on them. You know, even times that I was in relationships with other people, if I met somebody and they, and I told them like, yeah, I'm in a relationship. Um, but if it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to me. And if they were fine with it, that was fine with it, you know? But I felt like, oh, well, I'm being honest. So if they make the choice to do this, then that's on them. And in theory, yeah, maybe. But being a shitty person to other people and, um, you know, continuing that brokenness to other people, well, that shit was not good. And I did that for a long time. I did that probably for, I probably was that person for four years, three or three or four years. Um, and then really the only thing that really, I think what kind of changed me, um, at like around 25, I had a conversation with my mom. Um, when I left, I left the house when I was 17 and I was really angry at my mom. Um, cause I felt like she left us unprotected. I felt that she just didn't love us. And I felt that way for a long time. Um, and so even if I was like struggling and I mean, it was times in college, like, you know, I struggled like where, you know, I didn't have shit to eat you know what I'm saying? Any, any of that. And like, I never, you know, I, I mean, I worked and everything, but like, I never was going to call her and ask her for anything. And it didn't even matter to me. And that, and I just didn't, you know, and it took for me around 25 to be like, okay, um, I wanted to have a better relationship with her, but, um, at 25 was when, like, I think I kind of humanized my mom. And that's what made me have more understanding of her and me. So around 25, that's when like, you know, she really, really started talking to me about like, you know, um, her abuse. My my dad was abusive to my mom. And um, I remember one time I heard him only, I only heard him one time, but that's what I know, what I think I know. More than likely, I probably heard him more. Um, but I don't know, but I know one time I, that is burned in my mind. He thought I wasn't there and I was actually there and, um, it was fucking crazy. And so, um, the shit was like fucking traumatizing. Um, cause I mean, I loved my dad and I saw my dad as a fucking superhero. And so when you fucking hear your damn dad, you know what I'm saying? Being your mom ass, like that shit was crazy. I just, ugh, it was just crazy. So um, and it really changed my perspective a lot that, that day for me. Um, 
So when, so, and we, me and my mom never talked about it. We never talked about it, nothing. And so when I was older and, you know, she started talking to me about just shit that she experienced and then telling me like about her, her mom was abusive to her. Um, I don't know. It's like something in my mind just like fucking clicked. Like I was like, wow, like, you know, I'm sitting here angry at her because I'm looking at her like, oh, you know, this is my parent. She's supposed to do this. She's supposed to do that. But shit, when you sit and kind of break it down and you hear somebody else's trauma, I started wondering, I started thinking in my head like, well, you know, maybe she gave you what, what all the fuck she had. And maybe this is what she had because she never had an introduction, to, a positive introduction to love either. And sometimes people can be so broken. Like they think like, you know, you got clothes on your back. You got a roof over your head. Like this is, this is love. You know, like this is me doing for you and not thinking like, you know, maybe I should ask my kids how they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I should be there and be present. You know, maybe they would, maybe they need that. Maybe after all this volatile shit happening that's in here, like maybe, you know, I should get them out of the situation or maybe, you know, I should ask them, are you okay? You know, and I don't know if those things ever ran through her mind. You know, I just know that she, it, she never thought about like, you know, um, I guess making sure like we were, we were good and, you know, it definitely had an effect with my relationships it had an effect on me as a, as a, as a person. Um, and just how I fucking treated people, you know, I'm, I'm not really a yeller anymore, but I used to be a fucking yeller and I hated being a yeller, you know, but my mom used to yell at us. And even now, like to this day, like I, I'm realizing that maybe she just talks loud, but when I'm, when I was young, maybe, you know, she definitely yelled at us, but you know, she still talks very fucking loud even right now. And so, you know, I find myself, um, when she's talking to me, like asking her, like to please, you know, can she lower her voice and things like that? Because I don't like it. And it's like, almost like triggering for me. Um, you know, in regards to how it, how it just kind of like makes me feel. And so, but what scared me though, was that, um, I'm a yeller. And so that was, that, that was for me, like where I was like, I made a decision in my mind, like I wanted to start my own personal journey of fucking self-healing. Everybody doesn't get to this point, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, of even feeling this way. I think I have awareness just because I don't want to continue a generational cycle of trauma. And with me, you know, um, going into, you know, having children, like I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to be that type of parent. And I just wanted to make sure that I had the proper tools to, um, to not be, but also just, the the, the real awareness to be really, so I can sit and say truly that like, oh, okay, you know, I know that I'm good. And this is something that I think is work. That's going to be something that I think is going to be something that takes place for a while. Um, I always suggest people have touch points with their kids, talk to your kids, you know, ask them, are they okay? you know, how they feel, how they feel about certain things. Like I always tell people, I'm like, the, the most thing I can do is sit and ask questions. You know, if you sit and ask questions, you can find out a lot of shit about your kid. Just ask them. They're going to they're gonna fucking tell you. And then you can just see like, you know, is there unhappiness there? Anything, you know? Um, but I think the main thing though, that I always tell people is that if you've had a level of trauma, 
in your childhood. And it could be, like I said, it's, it's various things, so many things, um, so many different scenarios of what the, what that looks like. Don't be afraid to put in the work. I think sometimes people are so afraid of therapy because they're like thinking that it's just this daunting thing. And when I first started, I didn't really know how therapy was going to kind of be. Um, but it's not really, for me, it's not really daunting. It's more so, um, freeing, you know, it's being thankful to have, um, a safe space where you can go and just talk about shit that you might not, you know, feel comfortable or able to tell other people, or if it's intimate things that happen to you, like you can actually sit and have a space where you can sit and say these things and say how that made you feel. And even sometimes thinking about, um, putting things in perspective as far as like, um, and I've had to do it just how you, how you are as a person. Um, because what people don't realize is like, if you, okay, prime example, my therapist the other day, I went to therapy and she told me to listen to this podcast. Um, cause she knows that I listen to podcasts. And so is this podcast called ear hustle. And it's actually, um, one of the co-hosts is well, at the time he was, um, when they first started the podcast, he was a prisoner in San Quentin prison. So the stories that you hear is basically the, the prisoners personal stories. And so, um, it's different stories that you hear. So this one story was really intimate. It was really sad. And it was this, and it was this, um, it was this guy, he was a prisoner and he was talking about how, um, he had a son and he had, I think he had like five kids total but he had a son or whatever. And basically he, he would be out, you know, uh, I think he was, I think he did drugs, like sold drugs or something. And, um, so, uh, he had like all types of people like looking for him. So basically the son, his son, um, mom or whatever, he got, she got caught up with him and she ended up getting in trouble. So she ended up getting, going to jail for 17 years for, um, kidnapping and something else. And so, um, so he, he was talking about how he had to sit the son down and tell him that he wasn't going to see his mom anymore and how, you know, how the son just, you know, broke down and he wanted to know, like, you know, what did she do and all this stuff. And then, you know, what, I think a week or two later, or a month later, maybe he had to break down and tell his son, because finally, I guess he got called that he was going to be going to prison too. And these are like, and I think he went for like 25 years. So these are both long, long prison sentences or whatever. And so, um, basically it was just talking about how the, um, so just talking about how like the son, um, you know, he just cried and he was just saying like, he felt like, you know, he don't have anybody and how they just, they just left him. And when I was sitting there listening to it, I was like, wow, like that's just some serious fucking trauma. You know what I'm saying? Cause trauma can come in so many different ways. And so basically the son ended up um, continuing the cycle and being out in the street where ultimately he was, um, he was murdered, um, by the cops, but it was just sad because it was just kind of like a situation where instead of him being like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that route. I'm not gonna do, you know, the same shit my parents doing where they, you know, landing in jail, he ended up going the same route that both his parents was, you know, where he was in and out of jail as well ended up dying. It was a really sad story, but it was like a, it was like an example literally of childhood trauma. Sometimes you can't break out of the cycle that you're in. And sometimes you don't always see past what, what you're in. 
because you have some brokenness there. And and if you don't get proper help for it or treatment for it, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't go away. You know, when I heard that story, even though their son was older, he was still that little boy wanting his parents, you know, but they were both gone. Um, you know, you see, you see people that's like rape victims and things like that, you know, who maybe was touched as a kid or something like that. And then, you know, in turn, they, they go back and you see instances where, you know, they're, they're touching little kids or they're, you know, still stuck in those, you know, stuck in that situation or they're highly promiscuous people where they're just, you know, don't have a value over their body and they're just giving sex to anybody. I mean, you see a lot of instances um, where trauma can still continue to overtake you. And so you have to um, start at wanting to make changes. Um, I think a lot of times, to be completely honest with you, children are the innocent party when it comes to the environments that they're put in. I used to tell myself when I was a kid, like, yo, like I didn't fucking ask to be here. Like I didn't ask to be in this world. Like, you know, I, it's not like this was my choice. And so, you know, when I would be really just fucking frustrated, like I used to be like, I didn't, you know, I don't fucking get it. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, you know, when you just don't really have like present parents and my dad, like he wasn't a bad dad, but I mean, by the time he, when my parents did split and he left the house, like he was just a fucking drunk at that point. You know, so it was just kind of like, yeah, he might be present to a certain degree or he might be nice to you to a certain degree. But when were you actually going to get to talk to him for real? Because if you didn't catch him at a certain time, probably by the time you got out of school, it was probably going to be drunk, you know. So you had to then figure out, uh, try to figure out his schedule to where you might actually get a conversation. But, you know, I didn't get a conversation on preparing for your future or what, what do you want to do? Or, you know, what passions do you have? Or, you know, just like normal shit that you might, you might get from your parents. Like, you know, I didn't really have the opportunity to to have those, those type things or whatever. And so, um, yeah, that's why I think that, um, when I became an adult, you know, I did a lot of things that when I look back on it now, um, I'm glad that I overcame it to where I became a, a different and better person. And, um, but, I think that in my situation, I think my parents failed me, you know, to be completely honest, because they didn't do anything as far as like trying to help me get healing from anything, none of us. And, um, I was really angry about it, you know, and that anger just came out in different ways on how I, on how I showed it. But main, but mainly it came out in my relationships cause I was shitty as hell. Um, and I wasn't really that great of a person to date, to be completely honest. Um, so, you know, I think uh, the main thing, I think the main people that can fully help their kids um, would be the community, like as far as like the environment that's around them, and the parents. Everything starts with the parents. If the parents are invested in getting that child help and getting healing for that kid, I think that the kid and, and making sure that the kid feels safe, I believe that the kid would, um, would be okay. Uh, it, it all falls back to me on the parents. And sometimes, you know, I've seen, I've seen instances, um, where I know people who had kids that actually had childhood trauma and they've done everything and they're there and they're present. And the kid still is just kind of like, you know, all over the place and 
getting in trouble and doing all this stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it could be instances where, you know, but I just think you just keep trying and you keep, you know, trying to make them feel safe. And also, I think also one of the key things that I believe is that you have to be patient in therapy. A lot of times people feel like you go to therapy, one or two sessions, you're just going to be healed and you're going to be good. Like therapy could be something that might take a minute and you might not always get breakthroughs every time you go. Sometimes like, I think one time, and I, and I was talking to my, this therapist for, um, I think we were like, uh, uh, maybe 10 months in, 11 months in. And like, I could see she felt like she had a breakthrough with me. Um, I can't remember what we were talking about, but like literally we were like months in and she was like, Oh, I didn't think about this. And then, Oh, what were we talking about? I can't even remember what we're talking about. Um, it might've been, Oh, I know. Um, when I get upset or whatever, um, or just in general, I don't like for people to touch me or like be in my space. Um, and I think that one day we were talking in therapy and she was just like, um, I think we were talking about the fact that I think I said that how my dad was abusive to my mom or something. And then all these twinkles in her eyes started going out and I think light bulbs started going off for her and where she was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, like saying like Mika, these are, these are triggers and da, 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 da. And so we were going into the, all these different things. And so, and that was like literally, I think a 10 or 11 months in um, therapy. And that's what I mean. It's like, I just think sometimes you have to be patient in therapy. Um, but it's always, it's, and, and always, and, and also too, I will say this, like, I am somebody that tell, tells people like, you know, look, be patient, sink into it. But if you truly feel like, you know, you're not getting what you need, you need to get you a new therapist. But, you know, you're not going to really fully, I don't think you're going to fully know until you like go a few times and just kind of see. Now, I, I had somebody tell me, which is she's actually a therapist, too, and she was at therapy and she was telling me how like her therapist like said something fucking crazy to her. And um, I thought that was bananas. Now, you have something like that where you just know, like, this don't even sound right. And clearly you need to look, to, you know, you need to go to somebody else. But don't be afraid if somebody is pulling um, your truths out of you. And I, I personally think that's why people struggle with therapy, because sometimes you don't want to have honest conversations with yourself. That I think that was when I first started therapy, that was the hardest shit for me was being honest with myself about what the fuck I was feeling or what I had going on. And that is hard. And it's hard for a lot of people to be fucking honest with yourself. Right. And it's not just like about you. I mean, being honest about things that you experience, you know, like I, I, I don't want to, you know, ramble on, but now, like when I have conversations with my mom, like I pretty much tell her how she made me feel. Oh, Mika, like I probably would have never told her how she made me feel because I still was probably looking out for her feelings. Now, do I say it in a nice way without like, well, not where I'm like disrespectful to her? Yeah, of course. But I mean, I feel like I feel a lot better in general when I'm just fucking honest about like how I felt in this space with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how I feel. Um, because for me, like, I just want... Um, I just want to make sure that I'm healed inside, you know, and that was really just important to me was like more so just acknowledging like you experienced some shit, you know what I'm saying? And that shit had you fucked up for a long time and it's okay. But the real question is, it's like, what are you going to do to get out of that space? 
And I, and that's really, today was really just like my personal conversation about childhood trauma, but I more so wanted to have the conversation. So, you know, whoever's listening, if you actually have had some kind of experience, you can start thinking about yourself and have you been honest about yourself about maybe some things that you experienced that might not have been okay, you know, and what steps are you going to take to, you know, maybe get some resolve with that? Because if you don't, if you don't get resolved with it, it's never going to fucking go away. You think it's gone, but it's not gone. It comes out in so many different ways. My shit used to come out. It used to spill out in fucking arguments with somebody. And I'm over here talking about something completely fucking different. But I got hurt in regards to this over here. And it's a delicate situation over here. And yelling and touching me. And, you know, if somebody is violent towards me in some kind of way, like that's a fucking trigger over here. It's, it was levels to it. All that shit went back to my childhood. All of it. So... That's all I have today. I'm actually going to continue this and give a more informative uh, episode. I'm probably going to bring um, a therapist in probably, and we're probably going to have a more um, in-depth conversation about it because it's levels to this. And there's so much stuff I could talk about. It was so much stuff I could talk about today. It would have been a really, really long episode, um, but it was a good episode. I think it was necessary. But uh, so we have a lot of stuff, good stuff coming up. Um a few more co-hosts, um, jumping on. Um, I do plan on having this conversation again, so look forward to that. And also I just want to let you know that, um, you can find me on Instagram at it's just my thoughts underscore podcast, where I still have these conversations as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at IJMT podcast. And you can always email me as well as IJMT podcast at gmail.com. Um, Once again, I thank you so much for listening. It's Mika here and I appreciate you.